welcome to the asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. All I'm saying, Rick, is people aren't like us. They just, they don't get it. I agree. And it's 100%. And it doesn't come across well on the internet. Well, people don't get it. But but anyhow, we're live on the air. Welcome to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show on Let the them Asylum Fantasy it. Sports Network and AsylumFantasySports.com. We are Flager and Briggs, and damn it, if you don't know it, you should by now. All right? Wow. Welcome to the Asylum. Don't you usually do the email bit and everything? You're yeah, send us an email if you feel like it. Rick's a little <laughs> little grumpy today. He's been doing some manual labor lately, and I like it. He's just been screaming at all our friends on Twitter, attacking them for no reason. Stop. Ah. <laughs> I, I, we could probably just leave it at that. It's going to be that type of show. But, hey, it is draft season. For any draft week, baby. Draft week, baby. Pretty yes. much. Anybody who's been following us for a little while, and if you haven't been, shame on you. The Caveman Draft, the League of Note Draft, is Friday night. That'll put you in a little bit of a better mood, Rick. Yeah, I'd be glad when um, when everything's set and I have the books together and you know all that kind well, of stuff. You put a lot of effort into that thing. If you put half as much of that effort into this show, we'd be millionaires right now. I beg to differ there. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, now uh, you know I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it, it's our league of consequence. It's it's a tough one, and it's a tough draft this year. There's no question right. about it. I picked number. In. I picked what dose, right, Rick? Yeah, big old two. Yes, sir. I thought for a long. I think time. that's the first time in the league's history you have drafted oh, that anywhere high. above seven. I've yeah. never been above. I think I won a title out of nine, and I picked seven every year thereafter. Maybe or, eight. Yeah. <laughs> D- didn't I trade down to eleven or twelve one time? But that got blown up or something. Remember we tried that whole experiment, and it, yeah, it turned it, into a whole thing. It People just didn't, didn't work. Yeah, nobody wanted that. But no, you know what, Rick? I did. I picked twelve one year. And I remember at the uh, 3-4 turn, I believe it was. And this is a year that didn't go so well for oh, me. Oh, that was a Tony Romo. At the 3-4 yeah. turn, I went Beanie Wells, Tony Romo at the 3-4 yeah. <laughs> turn. And let's see, I missed the playoffs on that one. That, yeah. was, a, that was a few years ago. Though. And I, I, I recall standing outside. Yeah, we took a break between 3 and 4. Or somewhere we between picks, whatever it was. And I remember some... Some sage was offering you advice. Don't take Tony Romo in the fourth round. Yeah, I didn't listen. <laughs> nah, not yeah. that year. Actually, he did better for me than Beanie Wells ever did. Well, yeah, he played, what, two more games right. than Beanie did. And actually, I was rolling there for a little bit because Romo was putting up numbers. My number one RB was my boy, Darren McFadden. <laughs> yeah. He uh, has that lineup yeah, I for think, you. I think if I remember right, one, two, three, four for me, so this would have been 12, 13... And do the rest of the math, however that works. But I went Darren McFadden, Ryan Matthews, Beanie Wells, Tony <laughs> Romo. You had a great year, didn't I you? I started off four and oh, buddy, and then McFadden went down, and Beanie was Beanie, and Matthews was Matthews, and then Romo went down, and I think I finished like four and nine, <laughs> yeah. however that worked. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was a sad year for you. Oh, yeah, sorry easy, about that. Easy there, Cole. Settle down. Yeah, Cole. You know, that's enough. All right, so anyhow, point being, live drafting number one is the best. And this is the last remaining. I two, two. I got I got them both this weekend. Two actual get in a room with people with the old school stickers on the board. If you don't love that, you're not a fantasy football fan. I think all this online drafting, while convenient and makes it take about ten times less time, 
it, it's just not the same. Being in the room is where it's at. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's a league that you care about, you have to get together. You have to be drinking and eating and carrying on, and, and that's half the fun. Yeah, this online and back stuff. to the initial point, Rick, when we came on the air. Yes, that's where you can scream at people oh, and yeah. insult them because there's some context there. Right. When you do it online, the context is missed, and I think sometimes to to draw a parallel, and we're going to get into but the context is in my head, so right. that's fine. <laughs> and in the last 15 minutes of the show, for those of you who just tune in for fantasy football talk, we're going to do that now. For those of you who tune in to hear me stomp my feet and carry on, listen to the last 15 minutes. I'm going to push my weekly rant to the end because so many of the fantasy guys hate that. So I'm going to try and keep I them hate around. It. I, I'm not even hanging I, around. I'm going to bed. <laughs> you do take your headphones off a lot. It it's irritates, terrible. It irritates the hell well, out of me. I mean, you me. won't let nobody talk. I mean, what's the point? Well, I want to sit and listen to you. Well, that's what you're here for. I'm no, here for no, I'm not. Uh, I have a microphone. See, look. I'm, I'm like a chimp in Got a suit one. to you. I'm just your entertainer. You're the organ grinder, and I'm the <laughs> chimpanzee. Z. Yeah. But what I wanted to talk about, Rick, we are hitting finally, mercifully, at least the halfway point of preseason games this week. There have been some players who I have written off who are performing out of their minds right now. So we're going to get, I don't know if you want to call it buy or sell, whatever you want to call it, Rick, we'll get into it. But there's some guys out there just performing and they're, they're getting my attention and making me really take notice. And the first one, I'm going to start right off. We'll just dive right into it, Rick. What I saw out of Doug Martin on Monday night, and I'm sure you weren't up that late because it didn't kick off till 8 o'clock. What I saw out of <laughs> Doug Martin, if you've paid any attention, this is two straight, now albeit preseason games, this guy has looked like the muscle hamster from a couple of years ago when he won the first annual Asylum Fantasy Football Tournament. This is a guy I have completely written off. I'm not ready to shove all in, and I think his ADP has spiked to some ridiculous level, meaning I probably aren't going to own any Doug Martin shares. But he's got my attention. Well, you know, the, the thing about Doug Martin is when he became everybody's darling, I remember we we had uh, Dennis Farrell on the show. We were talking about him. All right. And, you know, actually Dennis, you know, brought up the point of, I forget the exact percentage, but like 60% of his points, fantasy points, were put in like six games. Okay. That year. Yeah, he had a couple of 200-yard games. Exactly. Three or four touchdown games. Yeah. I'm really hesitant to buy into, number one, he was inconsistent when he became everybody's hero. Right. He's been excrement since. <laughs> Nicely put. And, Very classic. I like it. Medical. And I, yeah, and I'm not ready to dive in on him yet. I, I'm watching him, obviously, but at 5-1, uh, some of these guys that, you know, I, I think if I'm looking at running backs on a bad team, I think I'll – Dive in with maybe T.J. Yeldon ahead of him. Uh, Todd Gurley. If Gurley could get healthy. C.J. Spiller. What? That is the first person I've ever seen you put above C.J. Spiller. Bingo. We, we've put some ridiculous names ahead of C.J. Spiller in the past. <laughs> there you go. That I, I'm. That's how hesitant I am on Doug Martin. I mean, you put a gun in my head on draft day, maybe not. But I tell you what, he's just not one of these guys that you know, I'm sitting there, boy, I really want to keep a close eye on him. It's it's like I don't trust Tampa. You if know, he continues to be quarterback, the quarterback, 
inconsistent. Right. Basically, you know, I hate to use the the old term injury prone, but boy, I tell you what, it just doesn't seem to be. Well, he's small and he takes a beating. I know. He scares me to death. Here's what I've seen, and it's reminiscent of that rookie year. Again, vanilla defense. We know all the reasons not to get too worked up in preseason, but we got an hour a week to fill. Come on. Number one, he looks healthy. He's smashing the holes. He's hitting them hard. He looks like the little bowling ball type that he was that Maurice Jones-Drew always was. I'm honestly starting to wonder, Rick, how bad this offense is going to be. Jameis Winston's going to have his growing pains. I think this kid's legit, and we could talk about him. We'll just wrap him into this conversation. This kid's legit. You got Mike Evans, who, while I'm not as high on him as most of the fantasy community is, He's a force to be reckoned with, and he's an easy number two no wide doubt. receiver. I don't have him at a low end one like a lot of guys do, but he's easily a good number two receiver. You still got a presumably healthy Vincent Jackson out there. Safarian Jenkins, and they've got a lot of guys at the tight end position who you take notice of. I don't know if this is that bad of an offense. What I do know, they're in a bad division. Yeah. Where they're not going to struggle to move they're the ball. They're probably due to win it. I think it's by the number team every year. Yeah, by the numbers, it's probably about their turn. He just he looks healthy. He's hitting the holes. He's running with purpose. I don't know if he can hold up. I don't know if that offense can perform well enough to allow him to do what he did a few years ago. But if he stays where he's at now, amongst people we're drafting against now, I think he's moving up a little too fast. I wonder when I when we walk into the bar on Friday night or I walk into another bar on Saturday night and do a live draft, I wonder if the opinion of him has changed less. And he's a guy, I hate to say it, but down at his ADP, he's a guy I'm going to be targeting because the way I draft now, I'm looking at my running back four probably at that point. In the fifth round? No, I'm not taking – if he's up to the fifth he's round. He's 501. No, then I'm not interested. I'm not buying that. But that's my point. Look at his ADP two weeks ago or a month ago. It wasn't exactly. 501. That's the problem. I don't think he's going to go 501 on Friday night. I don't I either. honestly don't. So if it's in the seventh or eighth round, he, I'm going to target him. Oh, I'm going to target now him. Now you're talking. Oh, I agree. I'm going to take him over. Now we're talking you're getting into the Darren McFadden, Reggie Bush, all these second guys. You, you, this level, the C.J. Spiller, to, to use your guy. That's the tier I'm on. Doug Martin's brought himself to the front of that tier. And if there could be a breakout guy, you know, we've been scratching for a month now to find a breakout guy. He sort of got my attention as that breakout guy. Well, i tell you what. There, there are a lot of these guys out there that – you brought up. I brought up C.J. Spiller. You reiterated him. C.J. Spiller and Doug Martin right now are both at five oh one. That's too. Yeah, certainly I, not C.J. Spiller there. I think Doug Martin. That's has why it. I'm saying, and maybe you were misconstrued a little bit when I said I think I'd go Todd Gurley ahead. Todd Gurley's a full round below Doug Martin. Right. You know that's that's what I'm talking about. Giovanni Bernard's at six eight. If I if I can throw in in my fifth round pick a Martavis Bryan and come back with Gio Bernard, I'm much happier than taking Doug Martin with my fifth round pick. Yeah, I'm not sure I could pull the trigger in the fifth round. Exactly. 
Unless but yeah, I've keep done an one, eye on him. Because unless I've done one of these wacky Gronk receiver, 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 tight end, and now I'm looking for a running back, that'd be a guy I'd take a flyer on because now you're just looking for guys with a chance to bust out. And I guess that's my point. I think just watching him run now. And look, they're going to play. It's either going to be tomorrow or this weekend. And he could completely come back to earth and look like the Doug Martin we've seen the last two seasons, right. if we've seen him at all. And I may feel different, but through two preseason games, he's a guy I try not to buy into the hype. Yeah, on he's these a guy guys, to watch. I but agree. he has really, really caught my attention. Yeah, I agree. I'll keep an eye on him. There's no doubt about that. Anybody that's a a starting running back and actually showing some success and and, and his health is back, yeah, you got to pay attention to him because that could be. You know, the next A-train. Yeah, you remember, right. oh, <laughs> remember yeah, the old Anthony, Anthony Thomas about, what, 14, 15 years ago. Yeah, and there's those guys. Remember, uh, you go back. Maurice Jones-Drew was one of those guys no one had ever heard of, and he just burst on it. Now, look, we have one year, or to your point and Dennis's point, five or six games of a track record of Doug Martin. Exactly. So he's not as big a surprise. And, but I think that honestly might work against him. It works against, for me – and clearly for you in the back of your mind, whereas you're looking, if you're just looking at what's in front of you, if this is Doug Martin's rookie year and he was doing what he's done in this preseason, you, you'd have probably no qualms, at least considering right. him in that fifth True. round. Because we have a track record, that's clouding us a little bit. What I'm wondering is, have we drawn a line? Has this been, we had 2013, 2012 Doug Martin, and then let's wipe out 13 and 14. We're back, we're healthy whatever I, I don't know that but it's just something i'll tell you you give me this weekend if he does that again i'm gonna give him a lot of thought and oh. maybe even in that fifth round yeah and i i agree 100 percent. you know especially if he comes out of that game healthy and they're smart enough to bench him the rest of the stupid preseason right which i would hope they do he certainly right. won't play in the fourth week all right let's move on to another one rick and this guy i i i don't have a strong opinion on but most people do, and just reading Twitter and not participating in any of these conversations, the fantasy Illuminati, as you will, have decided that this guy is going to be the breakout wide receiver this season. And any dissent will not be tolerated. You will be mocked, ridiculed, and if possible, beaten for disagreeing with this. Up in Minnesota, Rick, Charles Johnson has just become the darling of the entire preseason. Everybody's breakout candidate. And don't you dare disagree with it. Boy, Teddy Bridgewater, the Teddy Bridgewater love is, in my opinion, out of control. I like the kid, and we'll talk about him here in a little bit. But Charles Johnson, he's got a lot going for him. He's had a good preseason. He's entering that third year. We're getting comfortable with Bridgewater. Peterson's back. Are we buying what we're seeing from Charles Johnson? Yeah, I'm buying, but on the same token, um, I understand what you're saying. I'm trying to see where his um, ADP is right now. Charles Johnson's at six six. I don't think that's out of out of the realm of, of reality. He's behind Aguilar. He's behind Sammy Watkins. I'll take him over Sammy Watkins any day. They don't have a quarterback. Exactly. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely buying Charles Johnson where he's at right now. I love it. And, and I'm buying into Teddy Bridgewater. I think this kid, he has shown maturity, and, and they didn't have Peterson last year. And he really asserted himself, and that team made a 
some huge strides. I mean, you hate to say that when, quote-unquote, and it's really not quote-unquote, the best player was gone last year. Right. That team made strides offensively. And, and I think it's going to benefit them. I think Minnesota actually could be a force to be reckoned with in that in that North Division. Do I think they're going to threaten Green Bay? No. But I'll tell you what, I think they could cause some trouble. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I yeah, I'm buying into uh, Johnson. And, and this is where, in the way I framed it starting out, this is just my annoyance with everybody that we have to consider colleagues and Twitter in general. I agree with it. The kid's exciting. You nailed it where he's at. You know, starting at 5'9", you got Allen Robinson, Nelson Aguilar, Watkins, then Johnson, then Cruz, Deshaun Jackson, Vincent Jackson, John Brown. I would take Johnson over all of those guys because when you look at Aguilar, he's an intriguing guy, and we may talk about him a bit later. When you look at Cruz, you look at Deshaun, even Vincent Jackson, who I like, Johnson Charles Johnson's got a much higher ceiling oh, than yeah. these guys. And when Definitely. I get down into the sixes, the sixth round, that's where I start looking at ceilings. You listen to the Fantasy Sports Network show Saturday, 1 o'clock Eastern, fantasysportsnetwork.com. You'll hear me kind of taking a contrarian opinion that, that we're basing too much on ADP and looking for too much value everywhere. But at this spot, with this list of characters, if I'm looking for a wide receiver, ceiling is going to be a big factor for me, and Charles Johnson has the biggest ceiling. To your point, I love Teddy Bridgewater as well. Now, I don't think, and, and here's where I caution you as a fantasy owner. Now, if you're like us and you wait on your quarterbacks, he's going to be a fine piece. Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to be a breakout fantasy star this year. This offense is going to go through Adrian Peterson. Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to be a 5,000-yard guy. He's yeah. not going to throw for 30 touchdowns. That's not who he's going to be. That being said, he is going to be the breakout NFL quarterback, i.e. ability to lead that offense, ability to help Minnesota win games. I am the furthest thing from a scout, Rick, you know you have ever met. The X's and O's in-game – it's not my thing. Yeah, I know fantasy football. But I got to tell you, I had the opportunity on the field to watch Teddy Bridgewater play in Louisville when he played at Pitt. Not being a scout, but you know as a football fan, and you all know, everybody knows, you look at a guy and they've got the it factor. Oh, in, yeah. in college, that kid had the it factor. You can tell, especially in college, a good, to an average co uh, college quarterback compared to any NFL quarterback looks like a joke. Teddy Bridgewater looked like a professional quarterback on that college field that day. Yeah, as I stood right beside him as he played. Teddy Bridgewater's the real deal. What he did last year with no weapons, with no Adrian Peterson around him. Oh, I agree. It's so Johnson, yes, he's got the third year. He's got the good quarterback. I don't think though, I'm not I don't expect him to perform much above this list of guys we gave you. I think he's slotted just about right, Rick, just based on what that offense is going to be. We, you know, we don't want to go crazy with him. He's going to be this year's uh, name a guy. Cordell Patterson, how about that? You know, He was well, the Vikings guy last year. You know, I don't expect a big break. I think he's right about where he should be. Who's going ahead of him? I Aguilar? have never, you know, and of course you know more than anybody, I never bought into the Cordell Patterson hype. No, I sure did, and it cost yeah. me some, uh, some yeah. leagues last year. 
Yeah, and I just never could buy into that kid. And and maybe it is something to do with with the it factor. You know, when you you start watching some of these guys, I mean, there's everybody out there is a fine football player. We all know that. Yes. But you can see it. I mean, you don't have to be a scout. You know, there's a lot of just intelligent fans out there, you know, that can recognize it, and they just have that. Right. Like you said, that it factor. You can see it when you watch a man do what he does. Right. That he excels at it, and he does it better than most. And and that's Teddy Bridgewater. I haven't had that experience with Charles Johnson. Love what I've seen out of him in the preseason. The other thing I like, and and this is twofold. This goes for Bridgewater and Johnson. This is Bridgewater asserting himself as a leader. You know, comments all week that Charles Johnson's going to be big for us. Charles Johnson is my guy. Charles Johnson is the star of our camp. So it's being recognized by the quarterback. I pay attention to that. And it means something. It means something to me, number one, is Teddy Bridgewater is clearly a leader in that locker room that anybody would care what his opinion is on these things, number one. And I think it speaks a lot for Charles Johnson. I think you can read into that. And let's dovetail that one into the next one I want to talk about, Rick, unless you have one. You can cut me off at any minute. But that's Marcus Wheaton in Pittsburgh. This guy is getting a ton of love. And a lot of it based on comments that Ben Roethlisberger's made. Right. There's no question about that. I just want to go – we're talking about Charles Johnson. You know, you don't have to buy everything about Charles Johnson because let's not forget Teddy Bridgewater still has Cordell Patterson. Right. He has Adrian Peterson back. And you have Mike Wallace on the other side replacing basically Greg Jennings. Right. I tell you what, he's got some weapons. Right. He's and got talent around. That him. helps Charles Johnson Absolutely. succeed. Going back to Wheaton, look, I think Wheaton is going to be a fantastic number three receiver, slot receiver for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Martavis Bryant's number two. Bingo. And, and that's what I wanted to get to here. There's no question. Ben Roethlisberger once has wanted ever since Plaxico shot himself and disappeared in New York. <laughs> Did he just I'll, get in trouble again? Something with know. taxes or something? I think he did. We remember, I saw him out at the Hall of Fame. We right. saw him out there. And I thought I read something. He wasn't paying his taxes or something. He was back in a courtroom it or could back have been. in the bracelets. Or, I can't. Anyhow, that's not relevant. Go ahead. But Ben Roethlisberger has wanted a big receiver. They tried to get him one. They, they tried to get him a Lima Swede. And I'll tell you what, Lima Swede looked like he had all the tools in the world. He did, except for he the inability catch to cold. catch the ball. Exactly. He had everything you needed. He was always open. Yeah, he, he was, was a step big. faster than everybody. He yeah. was huge. Yeah. He just couldn't catch football. No. He Plain and simple. Couldn't catch football. But i tell you what, Bryant can. And i tell you what, Ben's going to use this guy. And Marcus Wheaton, getting back to your point, I think he's going to be a great slot receiver, but he's not number two on Pittsburgh. Exactly, and that's the issue. Here's the thing with Marcus Wheaton. All you best ball guys, and God knows I'm in seven of them and you're probably in four or five, Rick, Marcus Wheaton's a guy you want on your team. Because in this great offense, and here's my point, here's what I'm getting to. In this great offense, he's going to have a couple of really big games. He's going to have the matchup. He's going to catch the long touchdown. Something's going to happen. But there's going to be an inconsistency out of Marcus Wheaton because he's going to be that number three guy. This is the same. I beat my head off the table, Rick, when when you get these high-powered offenses. You're talking about, and it seems weird to be talking about Pittsburgh like that, but it's going to be Marcus Wheaton. Name your number three in Denver. 
all these Dante Moncrief donkeys out there being that he's in Indianapolis now. The number three guy is going to be more important to his team than he's ever going to be to your fantasy team. Yeah. The third receiver on every team is important. But I think in, like you say, I agree with you. Fantasy-wise, not so much. For the team, they're very important. Some of them have these games where they become fantasy-relevant. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Brandon Stokely comes to mind. I remember his last couple years with Denver. You know, he went with Peyton. Right. He was great for about eight touchdowns. Right. You know, but they're great for the team. Marcus Wheaton, I think, is going to be better than that. Oh, certainly. You know, I think he's going to be fantasy-relevant because this is the best offense in football. And and that comes back to the Marquise Pouncey injury, which I think is very significant. Oh, it's huge. It's it is. Huge. Yeah, I can almost. I don't know. You can almost call it tragic, emergency. You know, whatever. I mean, you know, severe to the team. And this does affect. It affects the rhythm of the entire offense. Yeah. But individually, specifically, this will impact Le'Veon Bell to a great degree. Because a big part of their screen game, and here's me going a little X's and O's. Here's something I have paid attention to. The way their screen game works with Le'Veon Bell and his success relies on Pouncey being able to take on two men, allowing the guard to kick out, to pull out. Right. Doug Ligurski there, I don't think you have that option. Marcus well, Pouncey can take on two guys to allow time for that play to develop and for that guard to kick out. That is the Steelers' screen game. That's how they run it. That's where the effect's going to be in the screen game to Le'Veon Bell, which is a huge, huge piece of his fantasy success. Well, fortunately, you know, Ligurski, I think Cody Wallace is going to be starting. And they still have Ligurski as reserve. Right. So from the center position, it's not quite as significant that way when it was just, okay, you Ponce was out, Ligurski takes over, now you're down a guard as right. well. Right. Now you have Cody Wallace, but it, it's it's the idea that Ponce runs that offensive line. He That's calls big. the protections right. and so forth. That's the big thing right there when it, when it comes. And, and to me, I think a lot of it is – more, I don't think it's going to affect Bell as much as Ben for with pass protection because Ben has that you know knack of extending plays, right. which I think is why we saw so many injuries with this line over the years. They have to block so long, but they really were gelling on keeping these guys away from him. Right, and I get that. I'm going to disagree. I think the effect the the effect is Delavion Bell on that screen game. I think Wallace and or Ligurski is good enough based on what Ben can do. I think it's going to screw up the timing. There is going to be more pressure on Ben. But Ben's put up big numbers and played very well running for his life. That's what Ben Roethlisberger does, and he extends plays. It affects the almost machine-like ability you've seen out of this offense the second half of last year and through two games, you know, through a quarter and a half of this preseason. That's what it throws. I agree with you 100%. He 
He's the quarterback of the offensive line. There's a trust between him and Roethlisberger. He calls out the protections. But his ability to take on two men, to allow the rhythm of that, to allow the guard to kick out, to allow Le'Veon Bell to do what he does, I think that's the biggest effect. Now, it affects everybody in terms of protection. Just flat isn't going to be as good. When you've got, in my opinion, the best center of the league not in there, your pass protection is not going to be as good. But I think Roethlisberger and the other components are good enough to overcome that to a large degree, not 100% to a large degree, but I think that's one big facet of one very, very important fantasy player that's going to be hindered and or limited based on his injury. We shall see because Ben's getting older and he cannot afford to be taking the beatings. And, you know, you're going to have your rant at the end of the show. I'm going to have mine now. Let's do it. I know where you're going and I'm Uh, ready. Of course, Bruce Gregkowski was put on IR, and I don't even know why. I never even knew really he was injured. Bad hand and a separated shoulder. Right. But, I mean, you, you never saw him do anything. Right. <laughs> well, he had two snaps on Saturday, right. and he got hurt. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So, anyway, Pittsburgh picked up Michael Vick. You know? Brilliant decision. Brilliant. He's, it's obviously, to me, the best backup quarterback out there. I, yeah. Has experience, has talent. And, um, you know, there's nobody else out there. And now we have a group of morons getting (laughs) a petition out, you know, for the Steelers to get rid of Michael Vick. Yeah. Okay. This guy, however many years ago now. A lot. Committed a crime. You know. And a heinous crime. Of course. Abused animals. All right. He was tried. He was convicted. The judge sent down a sentence. Right. Okay. Michael Vick didn't, you know, petition for the sentence or right. whatever. Served every day of it. And the, the judge gave him a sentence appropriate to that crime, according to the law. Right. He went to jail, served the full term, or whatever they told him he had to serve. Let, he's out. You're a free man. Right. Okay. What does a free man do? Goes he goes back to work. He goes out in the world and makes a living. Right. Right? He has to. That's expected of well, a man exactly. who's been released from prison. Now we have these idiots yep. trying to prevent him from making a living at his trade after he's already paid his debt to society. Yep. What is wrong with the world? Get off your stinking high horses, that's, you morons. That's it right there. This guy is free. He is paid his debt. He's not a wanted criminal. He's not an escaped convict right. that needs to go back to prison service there. He already did it. Let him go to work and do what he's supposed to do. And if the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I'm sure they do, they're going to pay by as much attention to this petition oh, yeah. as, as nothing – because I can guarantee you the day that Ben Roethlisberger rolls an ankle, they're going to like Michael Vick right. going in there a whole lot better than Landry Jones. Yeah, and if you've had a chance to watch any of Landry Jones' preseason, look, here's the, pro- here's the deal. There's two camps of people who you're referring to, and rightly so, as morons. And they're both moronic, but they're in their own special way. The first group is the animal rights wackos, and they were the ones lined up outside of Heinz Field today. 
And here, they're just filthy hippies. I pay them no mind. They, they want to be upset about something. This is the animal rights activist's opportunity to draw attention onto themselves. It has nothing to do with Michael Vick, the man, nothing to do with the Steelers as an organization. These are, these are all the talking points they'll give. This is about bringing attention to your organization. And here's everything I need to know. For anybody local who listens, I was watching Channel 2, KDKA News, this afternoon, right before I came up here to the studio. And they're showing there was like 14 of them. You know, we're acting like the news is acting like this was a big protest. Right. There was 14 smelly hippies standing out there. <laughs> and they had the gates around Heinz Field. And there's this one teenage girl. She's got her hair dyed to color a red Kool-Aid. You know, she's got a tank top on. It's 52 degrees in Pittsburgh today. She, you can't find any skin for her tattoos. And right when they pan to the crowd, she leans over the thing and spits a big loogie on the sidewalk. So these are the kind of people you're dealing with. So I just pay them no mind. The point in everything, and this is going to be my rant later on if we get to it, this is just somebody using an opportunity like this to draw attention to yourselves. The people I hate, Rick, are the 15 or 20 people I've heard on local talk radio that I heard on the news today talking about we can't sign Michael Vick because that's against the Steeler way. The Steelers organization is better than this. Wait a minute. What the hell who, is the Steeler who, way? Who owns who owns the Steelers? The Roonies. The Roonies. Who coaches the Steelers? Uh, Mr. Tomlin, Mike I believe. Tom, yeah, okay, right. Okay. And who's the general manager? I just blanked on it. Hold on. It's going to come to me. Hold on. Coburn. Okay. Whew. <laughs> that, that, that was harder right. than it should have been. But I didn't know there was going to be a It could have been Bob Anderson for all, all we right. know. Bob, yeah, most <laughs> people aren't going to know the answer. I could have <laughs> no. said anything. That's a good point. <laughs> okay. Point being, they're all Steelers top brass, right? All involved in the signing process to the Steeler team, which is their team, which is their way, right. which is their selection, and guess what? It is a Steeler way because they signed him. Right. There, there is this belief, I don't know if it's nationally, but in this area, in Steeler Nation, as it were, that the Steelers are the moral authority of the NFL. And this all goes back to, I can go back and I can pinpoint it to one incident, Rick. Remember when Bam Morris come off a great year? Was it Morris or Barry Foster? Because they both did this. I think it happened with both of these guys, actually. But one of them in the Bill Cowher era come off a huge season, a near-record-setting rushing season. Got arrested with a trunk full of weed or coke or something. And that day, coming off of that performance, Bill Cowher just cut him. Ever since then, we've had a belief that it's only choir boys in the Steelers' locker room. And that's the Steeler way. And we won't tolerate this. And we don't put up with this. And this isn't the way the Steelers function. Pump the brakes. Get off your high horse. We all know about Ben Roethlisberger. Right? Right. Le'Veon Bell's going to serve him a little suspension at the beginning right. of the year. Didn't James Harrison have an incident about throwing a woman down a flight of stairs or something? Right. You see, the Steeler way you have perceived in your mind was every time some third-string dummy did got arrested for jaywalking and they cut him, and then we Steeler fans hold that up as we are above the other organizations in the league, you're no cleaner than anybody else. No. All right, so get off of that. They, Here's what I do know where the Steelers are a great organization. They vetted Michael Vick. I promise you they did. Yeah. They vetted him. 
They talked to him. They weighed all of these things. You are not smarter than the Steelers brass, I think, was your point, Rick. They vetted all this. The man has a right. He paid his debt. He has a right to make a living. And I think you made the real point of these rotten yinzers around here that drives me nuts. If Ben goes down, we're all going to cry. We don't want this guy on our team. He doesn't represent the Steelers, blah, blah, blah. First time he goes out and throws for 280 yards, runs for 60, three touchdowns, and you beat the Ravens, all the sudden, all's forgiven. Oh, All's yeah. forgiven. You betcha. That's you. the hypocrisy of probably most people in general, but Steeler Nation specifically. They're the worst at this. I'm, I, yeah, I mean, I cannot say anything. Look, the Steeler way, they draw the line when... When it's easy to draw. A guy, no, well, yeah, when it's logical to draw. Right. Like Rashad Mendenhall defending terrorism. Yeah. And and things of that nature. Yeah, they're going to put up with that. Right. I mean, Dan Rooney's the United States ambassador to Ireland <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. Hey, you're not God's dealing sake. with just some right. jackass. You're dealing with a smart guy. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, because somebody had, you know, a little bit of weed, Mr. Bell. Right. You know, there's, he's still playing. Right. You know, I think there's a little more to the Bam Morris thing than just a trunk full of weed. I'm, he, he seemed to be troubled all the right. way around. Same with Barry Foster. Foster's the same He's way. A jerk. Yeah. But the, those are what I remember, and that's what everybody wants to hold up. And look, Cowers credit, yeah, a great move. But maybe you're making a move ahead of the league, to be quite honest with you, because neither one of those guys succeeded or did anything anywhere else. So Right. But yeah, it, it's ridiculous. It's just the it Steeler fans being arrogant and these animal rights hippies trying to draw attention to themselves. What were we talking about before we got off on this? I don't know, but I wanted to rant about that. Yeah, well, that's good. Oh, training camp uh, surprises. Are we buying into them? You got to have one, Rick. I've dominated that whole conversation. No, I don't. I don't have a single one. <laughs> I was on a rant, and you just abruptly ended it. Oh, well, did you have more? Go, go ahead and rant further. You, just, you, just, you have a way of like just dousing the flames. I get hot, then you start talking, and then I just lose my train of thought and my my fire. You know. So, so you're calm now. You feel better. Oh, I'm just... i tell you what. This isn't really a training camp surprise. Okay. But I want, I want to touch a little bit on a real enigma, as far as I'm concerned, going into 2015 fantasy land. I'm talking about Justin Forsett. I don't know what to make of him. That's the point. Do you know how many sta- shares of Justin Forsett I own in all these best ball leagues? None. Zippy. Yeah. I don't have the guts. I know. Because the price you have to pay for him, I'm still just iffy on him. I've seen what he can do last year. Right. But it's only one year. Exactly. And now Kubiak's gone. That's a big I factor. don't know if it was Forsett coming into his own or if it was... You know, a lot of hard work coupled with what Kubiak can do to running backs. Kubiak had to have a hand in it. I, I had to. I know. That's why I'm so iffy on this guy. And, I, you know, we haven't really talked about him a lot. No. I think we kind of avoid him. Ah, Jamal Charles. I'm high on him. You're a little cooler on him. But we talk about him. That's because easy to he's talk about. Jamal Charles. That's easy right? to talk about. Even Lamar Miller. You right. know, it's kind of like, you know, he's a workman's sort of running back, you know, the poor man's running back. 
because he's easy to talk about. He's there. But Forsett's one of these guys. He's just, I don't know, we had that great year, and you really want to take him. But I'm afraid to, where you have to. I Here's why I've avoided him. I think he's going to be fine. Here, here's what there is to like about Justin Forsett. Number one, he's coming off a big year. Attribute that to whatever you want. He had a big year. Sure he did. So you know the talent is there. There's, the problem, quite simply, and it's oversimplification, is the price tag. He is not a lock em up type of guy. There is guys being drafted around him that I know what I'm going to Lamar Miller is a perfect example. I know what I'm going to get out of Lamar Miller. And in that spot, I'm going to be more comfortable with him than I'm going to be with a four set. Here's my other concern. With Gary Kubiak gone, everybody sees it but Baltimore. I have every belief that you could see Forsett fade only because they want they for whatever reason they want Joe Flacco to throw the ball fifty times a game. And I'll never understand it. Oh, it's because he had one great year. And they got away in the playoffs. Right. They got away from it last year. Do they go back to that with Kubiak gone? Yeah, it's hard to say. That that's my fear. And the thing about Forsett is he is in he's down in that realm where he's he's out of what I call the big legs of running backs. You know, your Peterson, Bell, Lacey, Charles, you know, all the way down to Marco Murray's behind those guys. And now you get down in the mid to the end of the second round. He's right behind LaShawn McCoy. He's two picks behind McCoy. And he's three picks ahead of Lamar Miller, all in the second round. I'm not sure still. Right. Well, McCoy, I'm not high on in Buffalo. No. I, I hate that line. I hate the quarterback situation. Okay. Then you have Frank Gore in Indianapolis. Think what you want about Gore. He still hasn't shown any signs that he's washed up. Right. I'm still waiting for that shoe to drop, though, man. <laughs> yeah. It's got to. One of these years, i got to be right. But point is, between 2-7 and 3-9, right now, current ADPs, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven running backs in, what, 14 picks. McCoy, Forsett, Lamar Miller, Frank Gore, Mark Ingram, Alfred Morris, Latavius Murray. That's the league he's in right now. Hey, can I tell you something? Yeah. I will take every one of those guys over Justin Forsett. I feel better about each and every one of those guys than I do about Justin Forsett. Unless Hyde wasn't in that list, was he? No. Because he used to be up around there, but I think he's dropped off, and that's going to be the next guy I want to talk about. But Forsett could be one I'm going to be big wrong on. You know what this illustrates to me, that list of guys you gave me? Realistically, every one of them scares the hell out of me. I'm going to draft a running back in the first round, Rick. There ain't no question about it. Oh, yeah. And I'm not even going to be in that tier. Because right. I'll let all you wide receiver guys scoop those guys up as your number ones. And maybe you'll be right and you'll win. But I'm going to be a lot more comfortable every Sunday morning when I'm setting my lineup. Lamar Miller's a guy I'm warming to a wee little bit. And I wouldn't hate in that area if I found myself in that position. I think it illustrates the necessity to take one of those top seven or eight guys in the first round this year. More than ever quite honestly, because they're the only seven or eight guys you can go to bed comfortably knowing they're going to have some modicum of success in the upcoming season. Exactly. I agree. And, um, you know, we you still go back to these um, these Ten Commandments. You, know, you draft running back early and often. I mean, you have to get one of these guys. Right. In, in or the this first is round. the position you're in. Yeah. I mean, Peterson, Bell, Lacey, 
Charles Lynch. Throw in C.J. Anderson, Jeremy Hill, Forte, and Murray. That's two, four, six, eight. That's nine of the elite and then probably tier one running backs. Right. After that, you start with McCoy and, and just that crowd we talked yeah, about. Yeah, I think you're sliding fast. There's at least major, major risk. I think what you're lacking there is a high ceiling and you have some real low floors right. on that tier of running back. Now, now let's talk about before I get to the next one I want to talk. We talked about Kubiak. You just brought up C.J. Anderson. You have any concern that all of a sudden the, the blocking scheme in Denver has changed? Ronnie Hillman has not only figured it out but is being really successful at it and right now has been the gem in Denver's camp. Does that give you any pause, R.E. C.J. Anderson? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Because for two years, you and I have been talking about the talent of Ronnie Hillman, and the reason he doesn't play is because he cannot pass protect right. Peyton Manning, right. and they don't tolerate that. Right. But if he gets it, guess what? This guy's good. Yeah, and the, the, the guy I hate more than anybody in the world on Twitter, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I hate this man. Yeah. But he's real plugged into the Broncos. He covers the Broncos. Right. And I do trust what he says when it comes to the Broncos. And he has said that this this blocking scheme, whatever they're doing now with Kubiak, this has changed. Mm -hmm. And Ronnie Hillman's got it figured out. And that, to your point, that has always been what's kept him off the field. And back to the point of things I know just because I know them, We've talked all offseason that C.J. Anderson's right. supposed to be the man. We know damn well in Denver it's not going to be that guy. Right. So I have legitimate fear if I were to draft C.J. Anderson, which I won't, but if I were that Ronnie Hillman could win that job because he is that talented. He's that talented of a runner. We've all known that for how long. Now all of a sudden they found a blocking scheme that works for him. I have real fears. I am. I was avoiding C.J. Anderson as it was, maybe to my detriment. I feel better. I'm not changing my mind. I feel better about that decision today than I did a month ago when I was screaming right. out on these airways. And there's something about this guy named Gary Kubiak. What he does with running backs, to me, is phenomenal. Right. And maybe, and I have no idea, I'm not, I'm not there, but, you know, when he put, put together Foster and, and Tate, they both seemed to get it, okay? Forsett got it in Baltimore. Maybe Hillman's the one getting it in Denver. Right. Who knows? Right. If he, if he gets what he's teaching them, maybe he's going to be the guy. Who knows? Or maybe it's going to be a, who knows? Maybe not a Foster Tate, but maybe more like a Ricky Williams- if C.J. Anderson is as good as advertised and Hillman is, you'd be foolish not to play them both. I know Kubiak likes a bell cow back, right. and he actually referred to C.J. Anderson as that, I believe. I heard that at one point several weeks ago. But if Ronnie Hillman's playing this well, you'd be foolish not to give them both work. I agree. It's it's That is one of the more interesting stories that, that I've been trying to – keep it you know more attuned to is this what's developing in denver because i'll tell you what i'm doing i am avoiding cj anderson like the plague and i will take a late round flyer because of all these guys we've talked about i still think you're gonna have to overpay for him ronnie hillman's still a guy you can get for a song and i would love nothing more than to stash that guy another reason why you hate such long pre-seasons because the guys out there that play in fantasy football 
listen to donkeys like us for weeks <laughs> saying, true. hey, you better start paying attention to Ronnie Hillman. Hey, you better start paying attention to Charles Johnson. <laughs> Boom, two is. rounds up exactly. the ADB chart instantly. Yeah, right. We ought to shut up is what we yeah. ought to do. I, I, don't, I don't like Hillman. You I notice don't. if you play in any <laughs> league that – is a show and, and we all do leagues, you're going to win most of those leagues because we've told you all of our strategies and you're going to beat us to the punch. Yeah, there everything. you go. All right, this story, Rick, I think is just fun. And I hope he's the real deal. I hope we can buy into this. This uh, Jared Hain, Rick, this rugby player out in San Francisco who is just dominating every single time he touches the ball. I guess I have two questions. Yeah, I don't know how high you were on Carlos Hyde to begin with. Do you think this kid is real, number one? And number two, if he is, or if he's at least partially real, what does this mean for the rest of the situation there in San Francisco? Well, if he's real, like you're talking about, I think they have a pretty nice stable of running backs. Right. Problem is, I don't like much anything else of the offense. Well, yeah, they got a small issue there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm not trying to be nasty, but I mean, you know, I, I'm not a believer in Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, I'm tired of people trying to throw Kaepernick in there. I saw one article a couple weeks ago talking about, yes, Russell Wilson has had early success, but here's why Colin Kaepernick will pass him in his career. No, he's not. <laughs> no. He's, he's not going to. And, you know, you went back to, I even forget if it was this show or, or another show we were talking about, that it factor. You know, the, the thing, Russell Wilson never, since his rookie debut in training camp, he's never looked confused. Right. He went out there, and who was it? Who did they pick up that year? Nick Foles uh, no, or somebody? Uh, um, the, Matt Flynn. Yeah, Matt Gave Flynn. Gave him big money, too. Yeah, big money. Relatively speaking. Yeah, going to, going to be the guy in Seattle. Hey, he probably went out there. And it wasn't it wasn't like the Johnny football, you highly ra- drafted everyone talking about him. Russell Wilson wasn't talked about. Third rounder. Yeah. Nice he goes piece. in there. He wins the job. Oh, gee, and then he wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. The kid... He has it. Oh, no question. Colin Kaepernick took the league by surprise with his overall talent and athleticism. You're not surprised anymore. Kind of like when Mike Vick came back oh, after that. Was spinning he, in my he head. caught him by surprise for a while. and I mean, won some guys some fantasy football championships. Right. The very next year, he lost those same people, the championships, because they, weren't, they were used to him again. Right. And they were ready for him. So sometimes it takes the league a little while to figure it out, but they do. I right. mean, you throw out the the most polarizing name in football, Tim Tebow. Yeah, what several years ago he led that team to the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, Denver, now, albeit right. eight and eight, but he'd come out. He would surprise guys like that. Can surprise a defense, can win some games, but Colin Kaepernick's been exposed as for who he is. And quite, yeah, to compare him to Russell Wilson's is just absolute absurdity. But back to this kid Haynes in San Francisco. Yeah, okay. I mean, look, he's got the teammate, and that's what makes me nervous for Carlos Hyde because he's got the teammate as a kick returner. The guy's just an amazing kick returner. There's actually a tweet I read from his uh, agent who said, Don't be surprised by this. There's no fair catches or touchbacks in rugby. 
So this is nothing to him. You know, he's not afraid yeah. to get hit. Right. And he knows how to make that first move. But if he keeps running the ball the way he does, you got to give him some work. There's got to be a package for a kid like this. You know, and I I like Hyde relative to his ADP, especially. You know, as an RB three, low end two. If I draft receiver heavy, or take Gronk or right. Aaron Rodgers or something like that. Well, yeah, the this good thing kills about it. Carly's because I buy into this kid. He's hard to tackle. He knows how to hit holes. Look, he's a star. He's the star rugby player. He's right. the Peyton Manning of rugby. He's the Messi of rugby. He's the Mario Lemieux. He's the guy. And he's big. Yeah, you know, six two, two twenty, I believe. Yeah, something and, like that. And what what's significant, I think, is they got four guys on there right now. Well, you know, guess what. The underwhelming Kendall Hunter yeah, is nursing that. that knee. Boom, I see him gone. Yeah, he gone. Reggie Bush is aging and inconsistent. He's already second to right now in the in the depth chart. Hey. Right, right. I mean, he, he could take over that starting yeah, role. Yeah, because Bush is just going to be a situational guy. Yeah. Pure and simple. He's sure. not going to see the ball. He's going to be a third down situational. They'll have some packages for him. But he's going to be no significant impact to that offense. You're, you nailed it. This kid's already second on the depth chart. If he continues to outperform Carlos Hyde, why not give him a shot? This team's going to win four games this year. Why not give a kid like this a shot? Yeah, and if they start having success with a running game it, it, and you start winning games, all of a sudden, boom, you know, Carlos who? Right. I mean, that's as simple as it is. You know, when it, when it gets into this sort of thing, it's not like – it, it's not like quarterbacks, especially, you know, well, when's Manziel going to play or, you know, pick up anybody, you know, somebody like that. You know, Jameis Winston, is this right. going to be his team or, or is it Glennon? Well, you know, they, they're always talked about. Running backs, you know, you hand the ball off and boom, he runs for yeah. 100 yards and the other guy's slugging around for 20 on the same amount of carries. Guess what? You know, this guy's going to get the job. Right. And they don't care. They They want – Yards per carry. Yeah, these guys aren't the face of the organization. By and large, they're not your big money guys. So they're they're interchangeable. They're replaceable. That's what they become. That's what's made fantasy football so damnably difficult lately, to be quite honest with you. This is another guy. You have him for a song. I'm going to stash this kid. He's so electrified. Now, we see here's the caution with him, and here's how I'm, why I'm trying to dial myself back a little bit. Maybe less with Doug Martin. But it's in the same vein, but I got a track record with Doug Martin. There's always these running backs in the preseason who do this against second and third team defense. No doubt. Running backs more than anyone else you see this. If you're a Steeler fan, if you're local, because we've been pretty local this episode, quite on it, frankly, and we apologize for, for everybody not in the area. Remember Isaac Redmond, just tore up every yeah. preseason for four seasons. Who was that big guy? Uh, uh, Frank Summers, remember him? Oh, yeah. He could never make the team, but my God, he looked like Jerome Bettis every preseason. They cut him, and we were wondering why. And then didn't he end up getting a shot in Atlanta or something? Yeah, that he somewhere. was a total disaster, and turns out Mike Tomlin knows more than me. Shocker. But yeah, surprise. That's my concern with this kid. But what the difference with him is he's going to make the team because of his kick returning duties. You, right. you, you nailed it. It made an excellent point, as much as I hate to give you credit, as much as we fought tonight. He's going to be two on the depth chart because Hunter's gone. Reggie Bush is a situational guy. If Hyde flounders, kid's going to get his chance, and we'll yeah. find out if he's real. I, I want a piece of that. I want to have that in my back pocket just in case. I'll tell you another guy while we're on the subject. I know we're running out of time, but basically written off, as far as I'm concerned, 
everybody's ready, willing, and able to go all in on Todd Gurley. Yeah. And Trey Mason's basically just forgotten about. Am I super high on Trey Mason? No. But I'll tell you what. With the history of Gurley's knees, he's still a rookie unproven. Trey Mason knows the offense. And, I mean, you know, new quarterback coming in. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this guy's still going to be certainly fantasy vi- valuable. Gurley, best-case scenario, the first time he's going to see the balls in week one. I in no way believe Jeff Fisher's going to turn around and hand that kid the ball 20 times no. in week one. You have the injury concerns, yeah. I'll grant you that in terms of Gurley. But what my concern is, I think he's going to be limited based on the injuries he's already had. Let's throw out the fact that he could get injured again. It's actually pretty rare to tear an ACL a second time for what he's gone through. Usually what they put in, at least what I've been told, having gone through it, is way better than you ever had. But I think it's going to limit his ability to be a high-volume guy. I think Todd Gurley is going to be successful in this league, but he's not going to be a high-volume guy, and I think they're going to work their way into it with this kid. So in the meantime, especially beginning of the season, Trey Mason's a guy I like. He's going to get plenty of work. He's looked good in this preseason. Jeff Fisher, if he finds a guy that works, Jeff Fisher's got no ties to Gurley. I know they traded up to get him, and they're going to want to get him the ball. But there, there's no way Jeff Fisher turns around week one having seen nothing out of him and hands him the ball 20 times. This is Trey Mason's team for until he fails. They're going to work Gurley in. So until Gurley completely laps him or Mason fails, Mason's going to be the guy, I think, 60-40, maybe even 70-30 coming out of the shoot, works its way to a 50-50, and the second half of the season could be different. But in the first half of the season, Trey Mason, if I have to have a Ram, Trey Mason's the guy I want. Yeah, and even if it's uh... – Whatever, 60-40 or 70-30, you know, split between him and Cunningham. Girl, girly not in there. Yeah, don't forget about Cunningham. He saw a lot of work last yeah. year. Yeah. You know, 66 catches, you know. I mean, he averaged roughly four yards a carry. Didn't have a, a ton of work, but he was there and, and produced when, when called upon. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of liking um, Trey Mason. I mean, he's a, he's a kind of a – who am I thinking? Oh, Maurice Jones-Drew. You know, short, stout, right? And um, Doug you know, Martin, yeah, he get he gets the job done. You know, you got Nick Foles at quarterback, Kenny Britt is wide receiver, Brian Quick who's nursing an injury. I mean, there's just not anything all that automatic on that offense, other than a running a running back. Right, Trey, Trey Mason is not spectacular, but I think he's going to get plenty of work. All right, I, I know we're coming up against time. I, I want to rant here. We're actually, Rick, a few minutes behind for the, the snafu that happened oh, that, that we edited out. But one more guy I want to get to in what's a very ridiculously crowded backfield on a team that historically has got a terrible offense and is a, a serious quarterback situation. But an offense we've talked about all year getting better, a guy who is performing out of his mind this preseason is Chris Ivory up there with the yeah. Jets, who kept losing work to Belil Powell and seven guys named Mo and Chris Johnson <laughs> and everybody else. But when he got the opportunity, he succeeded. They brought Steven Ridley in. You haven't heard his name. You haven't heard Powell's name. In an improved offense, Rick, what I'm seeing out of Chris Ivory is – 
it's interesting to me. This is a guy I'm be watching. Here's another guy you can get on the cheap. Who I don't, he's not going to be a thirty carry guy game. I understand that. I think this guy could come out and perform as a wide or a running back three for you at some point. I think he could be a real valuable piece on your team. Oh, I do too. And and I've always liked Chris Ivory, but he always seemed to to fall short of expectations. But then, you know, he left New Orleans, went to New York, and then it was kind of like. You know, you don't really know the circumstances, but he didn't really assert himself. But then they pick up Chris Johnson. He's going right. to be the guy. And, you know, it's Was just, he there when Tomlinson was there? Or was, was it only one? I can't remember. Yeah. There was always somebody else there, and then they worked Powell in at the same time. Right. At the end of the day, Ivory wasn't terrible last year. Ivory was serviceable. And I just love what – and Todd Bowles seems to be leaning towards Ivory here in the preseason – just something I'm keeping an eye on. Another thing I'd like to have in my back pocket coming out of my draft. Yeah. Hey, you look at him last year, 821 yards. And he roughly had, what, eh, 940 total yards and seven touchdowns. With with Chris Johnson there. And Powell. And Belil Powell. Work. Of course, Belil Powell's there. But Chris Johnson's gone. I mean, I think Chris Ivory, I think this if he stays healthy, this is his team now. Right. And And that's. Number one, it's great for the running back psyche. No, you're the guy. Right, right. I mean, you're not behind whoever. Who was it? Darren Sproles or or whoever it was in uh, New Orleans. Right. There's a whole mess of them. Pierre Thomas. Pierre Thomas, another one. Right. Then he comes to the Jets, same kind of thing. If he's the guy in the Jets' offense, you know, and, and they have weapons on the outside, I have a quarterback who's smart, not afraid to throw the football. You know, I tell you what, it's a thousand yards possible with this guy? Oh, I think quite easily a thousand, right? Well, there you go. I mean, that that's not bad RB two or three numbers. Exactly. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. All right, Rick, we are up against the hour. So I'm gonna cut cut one of my rants out and I'm gonna cut the other one short. But you didn't do what I asked you to do, so this is your fault. I asked you to change the Twitter password because I got into it again. <laughs> so sitting at work yesterday, scrolling around Twitter because that's what you do at work, right? Unless uh, any of my uh, employers are listening, in which case I, it was at lunchtime I was doing this. <laughs> and Kurt Schilling sent out that meme. Most of you probably seen it or heard about it. It was basically one of those memes that said something. I'm going to screw it up. I don't have it in front of me. 7%, yeah, only 7% of Islamic people are terrorists, but in whatever, 1940-whatever, only 6% of Germans were Nazis. How did that work out for you? Something to that effect. Well, time for the outrage, Rick. Time for the fake outrage. Time for the folks that are offended by everything all the time, just attacking them. And ESPN pulls them off the Little League coverage and talking about pulling them off a Sunday night baseball coverage. So I sent out a tweet, said quite simply, you know, this isn't a quote, this is just for memory. Why does anyone care what Kurt Schilling thinks about world affairs? He's a pitcher. And a baseball analyst. And I did the old hashtag gimmick, fake outrage. And I think we live in a world where we sit around 
and we troll through the through Twitter and through Facebook. Yeah, what are the other ones? All the other ones the kids are doing these days that I don't understand. And we look for something to be outraged about. And of course, I had this guy jump me, Islamophobe, and I said, "Yeah, look, if Barack Obama had said that, or Senator this, or Congressman that, I'm going to be worried about it. This is a picture. Call me when somebody who matters." Nobody is drawing their political or any type of world beliefs from a picture. Why do you <laughs> care what this guy thinks? Why can he not have an opinion? Why can he not now have a job talking about baseball, which is his chosen path, because he's, in your opinion, an Islamophobe, whatever the hell that is. When did that become a term? When did that become a thing? Yeah, I've been called everything else in the world. I suppose it's about time for me to be called an Islamophobe. Of course, on Twitter, I was called a fool. I was called stupid. I was called everything else. I just don't understand why in the world would anybody care what a pitcher thinks about this. Why do they care, Rick? What, make me understand it, please. Tell me why I'm wrong. They don't care. <laughs> That's my point. Well, we agree on this. Fantastic. Seriously, they don't care, but it's they're trolls that look for an excuse to get angry. Exactly. Simple. Right. And, I mean, and next week, if it was somebody else or so, even a different subject, they get angry at that. And and it's, I don't know what the agenda is. You know, but other than to be angry. Right. Well, here's what it is, and here's my frustration, which is why, Rick, you need to change the password. No. This it's too is, much fun. This is people taking something, making something out of nothing to do one thing. To do one thing, Rick, just like I talked about with the dirty hippies at Heinz Field today, to draw attention upon yourself. You're going to tie yourself to Kurt Schilling. You're going to say, I random everyday donkey trolling on Twitter can now have the moral high ground over Kurt Schilling. Look at me. He preys upon me. And here's what I need, Rick. Can somebody out there, it has to exist. You know, I don't want to get too political, but any of you real hardcore liberals out there can maybe help me. I don't know if we have any of you listening. We probably do. Can I please have a copy of the book that you all carry around? And I'm not talking about liberals. I'm talking about the aggrieved parties in this world that tells me exactly how I'm supposed to feel about all of these social issues. Because I don't know if I disagree, agree, or give a damn about what Kurt Schilling had to say. It didn't move the needle for me whatsoever. But see, I was unaware when we talked about it a little bit on this show, when this whole Bruce Jenner thing went on, and actually I could get in trouble just for calling him Bruce Jenner and calling him him. I should call her Caitlin. Yeah, whatever. But I'm supposed to, I found out in the last couple months, Rick, not only am I supposed to be okay with it, which I am because, frankly, I don't care, but I'm supposed to care, I'm supposed to celebrate it, and I should be twisting my shirt over my head. I'm so goddamn happy that he did this. See, I wasn't aware of that, Rick. I, I had no idea. And there's a million things like this. I can't be an Islamophobe. I don't know what the hell an Islamophobe is, but I'm not supposed to be one. So I need to see this book. I need to know what my beliefs are supposed to be so I can go on Twitter and talk to my fantasy football buddies and promote this show without alienating 25% of Tweetland out there. Does anybody have a copy? I know you don't have a copy of it, Rick, because you make me seem like a stick in the mud. No, actually I don't. I'm just I'm most agreeable, level person there is. <laughs> Did you see a Maude Brooks has been indicted on sexual battery? Really? Yes. Um, 
in his role in the December incident at a former 49 yeah former 49ers teammate Ray McDonald's house in which a woman said she was knocked unconscious at a pool per the Sacramento Bee. He yeah, won't be hanging around with uh, with him, I don't think. I think uh, yeah. trouble follows that guy. And now, you know, Ray McDonald was released by the Bears this offseason. Um, he faces eight years in prison, so now Ahmad Brooks has been indicted. And... Um, According to 49ers GM, he will not play in the team's preseason contest Saturday against Denver. I guess, yeah. I guess we'll have to find out if he gets arrested for it or or gets proven, whatever. I mean, they say he's not playing in a preseason contest. Oh, yeah, big deal. I think if this goes any further, I don't think they're going to measure. All right, Rick, we are well over time. I feel a little better. Please change that uh, Twitter password, and we can move on from there. But thanks for joining us. It is, I think, draft week is officially upon us. What, about two weeks, Rick, to the start of the regular season? That sure sounds good. Let's get those questions over at Asylum Football, asylumfootball at gmail.com. We check out Saturday, 1 o'clock Eastern, fantasysportsnetwork.com. We uh, all fantasy all the time over there, so check that out. Support the Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, Asylum Sports Network, check everything out there. We've got uh, the FF Consistency Show. We have Sports, Sports Rants. Rant. Chris Sports Rants. I believe it's become a roundtable now. Yeah, we have the Mad Scientist. We brought on a new show with, yeah, uh, I believe, our buddy Scott Fish Scott and our Fish, boy Ty Miller. I think they're going to be joining us. I don't know if that ever became official, but the invitation's there, guys. If you want it, we'd be happy to be affiliated with that. You can come on, promote that. As long as I haven't made anybody mad. Well, yeah, you you uh, you kick the tires on it a little bit, that's for sure. I like doing that. We'll be back next week. Kicking tires right. on old jalopy. See what Full, happens. You know, next week's the week of the show where we uh, have a little fun more for ourselves. Full recap of the Caveman League draft. We'll give you that. More fantasy goodness. Till then, we'll see you. Take care. Gotta find a blog talk alternative. Yeah, I get cut off all the time. 20 minutes in. And it hung up. That's what I don't understand. I wonder if it was a. We don't even use Skype anymore. I don't know what the issue is. Oh, yeah. Hardwired in. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think anything else that would do it. You couldn't have scheduled it for 24 minutes. There's no way. <laughs> I could see you botching it, but it ain't gonna let you do that. Right. I hope Riddle takes Le'Veon Bell. I want Adrian Peterson. He may take Lacey. No. He's taking Peterson unless this reduction got him towards Bell, but now I'm worried about this pouncy injury. He's still got to take Bell if he takes Peterson. I, I don't have any choice, right? I can't take Lacey. Would I be insane if I took Antonio Brown? I'd love to have Antonio Brown. Boy, I'm putting myself in a bind. Then you give uh, Karshner a real dilemma. Well, who's three? I don't know. Karshner's four. He was tweeting me yesterday. 
partner texting me saying he's stressing out from four. Yeah, it ought to be about answered for him there. Yeah. Unless he's worried about Charles, which I am too. He's wor- well, he's not worried about Charles, but... Oh, I'm still recording. I had to get this out of here. 